Here we discuss introspection, being, development, and all the good stuff. The modern mistake that I think is crucial for this section and discussion is one of anti-fundamentalist views. More so, it's not the modern idea that's the problem, but the sense that it has to be modern. It's the view that we need to let go of ancient, you know, skeleton parts of our beliefs, and we need to rid ourselves and become modern. So I don't think it's the idea within modernity, but rather the word modern itself, that there's no end. It's an endless pursuit because once you're modern, then you need to modernize that modern view. And it's it's the continuous, you know, cleansing of, of ancient mistakes, moral problems, and such. This being the case, let's discuss how this is a root problem and how to leave this problem but not remove the fantastic developments that modernity brings and the, the view that being modern is appropriate and something to strive for. So first, the critique, as usual. The critique. What brings you to be modern if not your past? How can you build and become a revolution from something that's not there? You are attached to that previous state of being in the ancient you know, stage before the modernity. That being the case, you cannot leave the roots of the fabrics of modernity behind when you strive for modernity. You can't become anew without recognizing that you are becoming anew from something fundamentally before the anew stage. Let's give an example. Um, the, the cafe... Um, experience that we have that's standard in our societies, our modern societies, and the Wi-Fi and the, the laptop and the social arena that it's taking place in our cities, especially our cities. That is built on a previous institution of social gathering. Although modern, it's nothing but a relic of the past in a certain sense. There's the Wi-Fi edition. There's the coffee focus. There's the isolation of certain parties and the, the aura. But the institution of sitting together in this space where we're comforted by each other's company, even without any deep social interaction, is... An ancient thing. 
So you cannot say that the cafes are a revolution of, of its own new regard. Another example would be, you know, the democratic process. Now, the democratic process is a build of a previous process. I'm not a student of such study, but I would assume from the English common law and, and before that and eventually leading up to the, to the dictatorships and the monarchs of previous decades, previous millenniums. And that, the monarch itself was a development. Not always was there such a thing as a monarch. It was very tribal. We know that there was a switch from tribal to monarchy. So tribal is a predecessor of monarch. So you can't have a monarchy without appreciating tribalism. So that being the case, the democratic process needs to appreciate the monarchy. And the monarchy needs to appreciate the, the tribal. Although there was different forms of monarchies. There's the dictatorship, there's the you know, the Greek version, the, the Roman version, the Senate to balance somewhat of power. Then there's the dictatorship aspect, important for war engagements and crucial quick minute decision type of environments. So to say that the democratic process is the best process and is revolutionary and needs to be upheld also means that the monarchy skeleton needs to be upheld. That is to say that you can't learn democratic without monarchy. They're one and the same, although it's a modern version of its previous past. So I think the mistake that the modern view makes is that you are not a new kind of being. You were not you were not once ape and now human, but you are in itself a build of the past. For example, the computer, you know, you you are you are a previous build of the computer. You are Intel you know, fifth generation. Now, you can't get to an Intel 12, 13 generation chip without the Intel first, second, third, the beginning stages of Intel's chips. They are builds on its past. So they need to be appreciated as such. And the second you claim that a 13th generation, you know, uh, chip from Intel is is in its own right, you are fundamentally wrong. You were just wrong because if you study deeply the 13th generation chip, you will find sentiment going back all the way to the beginning because it's just a, an appropriation of a previous stage. This is such an important, obvious aspect. You know, the father, the child... If you study the child long enough, you'll find the parents. If you study those parents, you'll find the parents before them. You can't say the child is modern and 
a new being beyond the parents because that's just fundamentally wrong. You haven't studied enough. And I think diligent study in any aspect of some sort of revolution of a previous predecessor will come to the conclusion that you need to respect and honor the, the ancient aspects that bring you to the present. Now, the reason we're ignoring this aspect, because it's, it's obvious, so we have to ask, what is the motive to ignore such an obvious idea? It's not even an idea. It's just a reality. It's an objective reality. So what would be the motive for the modern person to object such a view? And it's quite, it's quite apparent when, when, you re, when you discuss this with anybody. And they'll somehow formulate an argument that, well, if you go that route, then we have to go to the past. We have to become a monarch. And we're afraid of becoming a monarch because that will lead to dictatorship and we'll lose our freedom and... So it's the fear of experiencing the predecessor in the modern state. You know, if you tell them that, you know, you're really Intel's 13th generation chip is really a first generation built from a second generation built on a third generation and so on. Their fear is, well, then we're going to just go back in time and be stuck in those first generations. And that's a great fear because it is true. The more you recognize the past that makes the present, the more you're bound to that past. If you recognize the father is the, the blueprint of the child, then you're bound to the father. And people don't want to be bound to that father because they want to be their own person. They want to be a democratic process beyond the monarchy. They don't want that monarchy in them. They want to be better than that. Well, it's a fear. Let's discuss the pros and cons of this fear. Well, the pro is that there's some sense to that. You don't want to be a fundamentalist in, in a modern era where you're anti-electricity because it's it's just the way... the the previous generations dealt with things and maybe it's a better state of being because you are disconnecting from reality as such. The con is that it's over-justified such a fear, meaning you're not going to, just by accepting the fact that a monarchy is the built of a democratic process is, is not going to necessarily just seek the previous stage because there's a recognition in the current stage that there's a previous stage. And why should that be forgotten? Just just as the past is remembered, why shouldn't the present development of modernity be forgotten? And if the fear is stemming from a place where, well, maybe modern state of being is, is worse than a previous state of being, well, then... Why are you afraid to discover a better state of being? Aren't you trying to be modern in the sense of becoming better? And if better is the past, then go to the past. Now, if you're unwilling to face the past, face the fact that you've made bad decisions your whole life, generally speaking, and now you're going to have to face that, well, that's just deception. You should, you should be so modern that you're willing to accept a past stage that that is better than your current 
version. And we have this in technology, you know, there's sometimes where technology gets so advanced and sometimes it's, well, well, that previous generation was better. It did better things. It, it ran smoother, you know, with the, the imposition of just faster and, and higher speeds and better graphics and, and more uh, learned systems. It's just overcomplicated things, and yes, a previous generation is better. Maybe I don't know, I don't need to predict every search result. I need to explore it for myself. So, the modern version might not be better. It doesn't have to be better, and we're not forced by that proposition. We're forced by truth, if that's what we're seeking, because modern means that we're trying to develop towards something, and it's better be truth or moral superiority or something, something of a vision. You can't be modern without a vision. You can't be. What are you being modern about? The 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 technological specialty of of our current society. For what? For what purpose? To better the human being. For what? For a better human being. For a better experience of life. To focus on the more important things. To have a vision. You'll lead back to vision at some point. So anyway. I think what's motivating this disregard for the obvious idea that anything modern is built on something previous is because there's a fear. There's a fear of going back to the past. There's a fear of admitting uh, a global mistake. You know, it just shows a generation of just failures. And that's something that no one's ready to accept. Now, could it be true or could it not be true? It's very possible it's not true. But it's the fear that's motivating not to face such an obvious idea. Now, so what's the proper approach? Now, I've, I've discussed and culminated the, some of the ideas of why it's, it's broken. It's broken to view life as modern and disillusioned or separated from the past. Now, what's the, what's the proper approach? Well, religions have this problem because because we've we're, we're obsessed with modernity of every scale, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, emotional, we're just obsessed with that movement. The religions just can't keep up. You know, the second they're ready to abolish, you know, some parts of their faith based on some moral development of society there's another thing that they have to face and then another and they're just living in the shadow of trying to compete with society's never-ending moral changes so we can't ignore society because that, that that becomes problematic because they have the arguments and you need to follow those arguments if you want to be a player of that society and since you are already a player, might as well follow them. Might as well at least open the discourse and discussion for them because they're hitting others. They better be hitting you because you're a part of that. So I discussed this in length in other videos, how, how we're, we're an interplay of society and ignoring that is never a good solution. It brings isolation, communal or individual isolation. Well, anyway, back to... Religion. Religion has this problem. Like, how do they approach that? So there's something called moral relativism, which just means that, you know, 
it's 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 changing you know allow the religion to change with society but it's still a problem because essentially modern just means to rid everything ancient and since religions is built on past it's it's in threat it's a threat by default well how to go about this well recognize that just as the monarch is the build of modernity so is um our belief systems built on previous frameworks of mind of ancient times of many different religions recognizing that also means that you need to allow space for the care of that culture and to almost impose your own life of ancient ways for example electricity revolutionized the lighting of our our darkness used to be each candle cost each each illumination was valuable now with electricity things things could be illuminated for nothing nothing of value right and based on that well you got the monarchy that brought about the democratic process so you need an appreciation and a mark of that remembrance of that monarchy in the democratic experience. Meaning that you're going to need to bring some concepts from that monarch era into your modern space. Why is this so? Because you can't forget that these are the, these are the fabrics of what built the democratic process. If because what would happen if you do forget, then the democratic process will decline too because it's only a build of a previous stage. So when you come to when it comes to religion, you do need to lead a, a fundamentalist life if you want to sustain the religion long term. Because if you're not collectively remembering in a in a daily manner the the frameworks that brought you to a newer heightened sense of some sort of spirituality, then you don't have what to look back on when you are unclear of how to continue. For example, if you have, let's say, a textual like Bible, which you're bound to, which your religion preaches as holy and sacred. To take the modern sense and say, oh, everything is not literal because we need to connect that to moral relativism. We want to connect it to reality itself in real time. Well, then two generations later and the text will not be here because that appreciation of just that lack of appreciation of just kind of saying everything's a metaphor and it's not really there and it's just a story. Well, the next generation is going to see it as the story itself. And the generation after is, is going to say, well, there's other stories. And the generation after that will be like, oh, we are not interested in these stories right now. And it will just fall out of style because there's nothing in current life that's keeping that fundamentalist 
history in your current being? Well, what are we worried about? We're worried about fundamentalists as a totality of our being. For example, you know, just living a life of Bible, you know. You know, just what that preaches, we do. And that that calls for huge mistakes in our society because if you start taking ideas of the Bible and putting them into fruition in current modern society, well, you're going head on on society itself. You are an attack. You are an ass making an assault on society. And that's not good. That's not good because you're, you're not appreciating the fact that you are a part of society. So you want to keep these books on your shelf and respect them as such and almost bring a literal approach to them as much as you can without imposing on your society or on your comfort of being in your, in your current values and allow them to contend. Allow the past to contend with the present. Allow that battle to be waged where the Bible, let's say, says something anti-homosexuality and you put in your daily practice and arguments some sort of development of that Yet you also become aware of society's developments of something that attunes to homosexuality being an expression of sexuality that should be respected. And you allow them to battle each other. But the second you say, well, the Bible is ancient, it doesn't really have a grip on, on reality and should be shelved, not in your house, but in someone else's, should be shelved away and forgotten or taking it into some sort of fantastical um, depiction, like really it's not homosexuality, but it's bestiality and so on and so forth, or saying that this author is confused or you know any sort of route, you're limiting the sacredness of your religion and your text, and it may last your lifetime that the fact that the text still exists but since it's become so irrelevant to you, you're, it won't last a generation. And then all you will have is society's preach of morality, which may be good or maybe not good, or another culture that you attach yourself to. But if you want to keep that religion with you because you find huge value in it, you could implement them in your life to a certain extent while giving room for the morality that's being preached in current society. But those who mesh the two, try to put them together, is also mistaken because you can easily find ways to interpret text with your moral development, with what, the way you see the world. You know, you could, you find that vegetarianism is, is a better approach to nature, right? And then you could, quickly go to Genesis and find room for that, especially that, right? And ignore the the other aspects of sacrificial animals on, on a constant. So you can't do that, although when you start meshing, what you're really doing is saying, I'm imposing me on that, and I'm not allowing that to have its say without my imposition. 
It's like I am stuffing my information down the Bible's throat. At some point, the Bible will give way, and what will be left is just your information, how you see fit, and the Bible will fall away. Even 10, 20 years from, from that date that you start such a meshing of process. So you don't want to mesh the two. You don't want to mesh the ancient with the current. You don't want to say, oh, the, the, the president should be called king now. And it's not really king as a monarch, but king as a, as a president. And we're just going to have some sort of mesh of monarchy to democratic. You don't want to mesh the two because then what your ideas are will be imposed on everything. And nothing will be left to be the framework of which you revisit. Let's discuss that for a second because it's a good idea. Why is it so important to keep these ancient frameworks alive in our current beings, in our current daily lives? The importance is because, as we discussed one concept, but another that it's the framework which you could fall back on. Because life is not simple and it gets confusing. And also, we wander in life and wander in ideas, and society wanders. And it's amazing to have, that's why we're obsessed with knowledge and books, because these things are frameworks where we could revisit and go into and submerse ourselves to, and then walk out, go back to our lives, and allow that to govern a certain sense of our lives. And we accept that anytime we read a book or read an idea or listen to an idea. We, we accept that it's going to manipulate us and we want that because we don't have all it takes within us to develop every framework of life. We need, we need ideas to overcome us that we have to battle. It's almost like the father needs to test the son, you know, and... For example, if you're playing with the kid, you're playing with your kid, and you see that they're going over a, a precipice that they could fall on and hurt themselves, right? But instead of keeping them in a safe place, the father places them at the precipice in arm's length to protect them if they fall and get them to feel the experience of the fall and learn how to adapt to that that surroundings and allow their fear to govern their choices of movement. And that's a very healthy thing to do because you're imposing a framework on the child that the child will never develop by themselves unless there's some deep hard work, but there's nothing in them that will, well, they have the natural fear, but there's nothing in them that will just express that experience. But if you impose it on them, then now that they have to contend with it. So after that experience, they will always like, well, this, this was experienced before, and now, now how do I deal with it now? And, and, and maybe this precipice is not something I should do and, and, and go there. And soon you have these frameworks which the father imposes on the child, and then as the child grows up and the father says, well, you should say thank you after you receive that gift as opposed to what you did, which was not say thank you, right? So the father's imposing a framework of some sort of gratuity to society. Now, the child could develop at some point that framework, maybe, maybe understand that recognizing what, what 
brings your goodness is something to appreciate and focus on. But it's not necessarily going to be there. And even more importantly, let's say the child is some mastermind person that could come up with ideas like this on their own. They won't have a frame to go back to. Meaning to say, let's say we're adults now and we, we've, we've understood that saying thank you is important to when somebody gives you something. We won't always reach out to that idea unless it was imposed on us. If, we've if we developed it on our own, then it's, it's just a flow of our being. And, you know, sometimes we'll remember it and sometimes we won't. You know, we don't have the discipline to say this is something important and we're going to do this anyway. We can't do that on ourselves unless we attach to either something else or someone imposes that on us. Meaning someone sees us in the street not saying thank you and then they're like, well, that's that's not a proper way of being. Say thank you. And now they've imposed their framework on us and now we have to deal with that. And that's that's the greatest gift because now we're we're, we're able to go back to that framework at any time without having to allow just the natural flow of being and because because some discipline is necessary. That's all I'm saying. Some discipline is necessary, and that discipline only comes by you imposing ideas on yourself that you don't fully understand at the moment or ever, or someone else is imposing on you. But there, it's an imposition. That's what discipline is. It's it's not allowing the natural flow of being to happen, but rather you are going to the bookshelf and, and picking out a book and saying, I'm going to take that information, no matter what it is, and impose it on myself and see what happens. And then I have to, once that I'm done that book, I'm going to have to contend with that book. There's me, and then there's the information of that book. So... Going back to modern, the original discussion, modern and fundamentalist, the proper approach for the modern mind is that they need to impose on their modern life uh, an ancient version, an ancient relic to give reminder of that component that brings about their modernity because modernity is a build of the past. And if the past comes becomes forgotten, you don't even have modernity. And also you don't recognize reality as such. So what you do is you impose uh, a previous, you, you impose the relics of the past on your current life, recognizing that it's the past, but also, but also that it's the present. It's a, it has a component to the present. And doing that, Doing such such work will allow you to be able to negotiate between the past and the present. So let's say, you know, the iPhone 11 is not as good as the iPhone 10. Well, since you've kept and recognized the iPhone 10 as such, you could always go back to it and say, well, I don't like the iPhone 11 now. I'm going to go back to the iPhone 10. I'm going to pull out from there. It's a framework of reference to go back to. And as such, for the religions that struggle with this, you need to impose a certain fundamentalist, you know, culture imposition on our daily lives for that religion to thrive and function. Because if not, it won't be remembered as an important component of who we are. 
And once it's not remembered, it will be forgotten. And once it's forgotten, it won't it won't exist. It will, resi- it will exist just to critique it. But then there's nothing left to spark it alive to the future. And allowing that religion to be a, a relic, but not just a relic, a, a part of our lives, and a frame to go back to when searching for something beyond your being. Just as we have a, you know, a literary vast um, collective um, experience like that there's there's these certain books that have influenced society respecting them as such and keeping them in your bookshelf allows you to impose their ideas on you and your current self now nobody would say let's get rid of all books because we need to be modern beyond those books and those books are relics they're the past they have morals attached to them they're 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 broken Right, you don't want to say that because you need frames to go to, even if they're not according to your morals now. You need frames to go to to come back to who you are, and and if you actually am are moral, and you are something more developed than those books, then you will have answers to those things. Although you don't need to throw out those books because let them contend with you, let them fight with you. Allow the battle to ensue. You'll only become stronger. And the cost of taking out all frames to go back to is also the cost of the father who doesn't impose any frame on the child. So what the child has is this infinite experience of being without any imposition and the flow of life just goes anywhere and, you know, something tastes good and and something... There's no reason for anything because... They're, 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 they don't, they're not bound to anything because nothing was bound to them. And then they can't go to the bookshelf and take out the metaphorical book that will reference them in time and then give them what to fight about. We need to fight. We need to struggle. But if the father doesn't impose a framework, there's no struggle. Now, thank God life is full of struggle, so it will be imposed on us, and they will start to define us because a struggle is also an imposition of an, an idea, an experience that we have to fight with. We have to fight with who is us compared to that. What usually happens is we're just we're just going to go through the motions of our natural instinct in those struggles. We won't have a better, more developed sense of it because we don't have any other frame other than us as we are or that experience of trouble. For example, someone who has never been imposed with any sort of discipline or ideas or religion or any sort of framework of reference and they go through a traumatic event, how they deal with that trauma will be very uh, simplistic. They'll deal with it however the world offers and their body will move however it sees fit. And they will struggle in circles because all they have is that trauma, that imposition, and them. But they can't leave themselves or that trauma to something else, a third party, that could mediate between them and the trauma. Like 
I found this in my own traumatic experiences, like going through it and something so great about just going to the Bible. Like, let's triangulate that because if it just goes back, trauma to me will take Freud and all the developed theories will impose them, but I'm confused in it because where am I in that? And I don't have any frames to fall back on when I'm confused between these two things. So then I triangulate that to the Bible and find concepts there and stories there where I could force this energy towards and allow me to contend with the Bible as a mediator between the, the trauma and me. That way, nobody gets lost in the mix. The trauma doesn't get lost because it has what to shadow on. If not me, then the Bible. And the Bible doesn't get lost because I've kept it as a frame of reference. I don't get lost because I could always throw myself back away to, to the Bible. Like I could say, well, it's a Bible problem. You know, it's it's God or it's 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 something beyond me. It's in this frame. So it's like it's like um, it's like using glasses. Remember when we had that uh, what was it the UV thing? We had we, whatever any any sort of strong light, and you have to wear glasses for right. You're what are you what what are you doing? It's, there's a strong light which is being. It's confusing. It's chaotic, and you're putting lenses on which will separate that that ex, that extensive light and 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 only give you a diluted amount of light that you could comprehend and experience or you can actually manage your eyes can manage and what that does is you are not you are not a uh, being untruthful by putting on those glasses by putting on that separation you were just being realistic that you need a frame to fall into in order to comprehend what you are experiencing. And if modern just means, you know, this is new, we are, we are, we are a whole new being, and it's all, uh, not just development, but a whole s new state of mind, and the ancient doesn't take part in our current selves in a real manner, then when we're, messing with our lives when we're dealing with our lives we're we're stuck having no reference of of a lens to see something through so it's just too much light it's too much of like where do i go there's there's no path because there's so many paths for example let's say you're going online i've posted this recently like you're going online and there's so much information you just don't know where to go and you don't have any frame to say, okay, I'm connected to this concept, so I'm going to look through that concept to the internet. For example, in this discussion, I was looking up uh, Jewish, what was it? Jewish magic. Jewish magic. Like in reference to, uh, oh, mysticism and realism like that that obsession that especially the jewish perspective has where everything the real has to have a mystical element that it's not enough that it's just supernatural but that natural itself is supernatural 
whatever the concept was. And that frame gave me a lens of where to browse the internet to find information. But that being the case, I was able to access the information with with a separate frame. And if, if you would tell me, oh, no, just go on the internet and just be yourself, then it will be a disarray of information. I need something to fall back on to have a frame for which to see something through. So this is also the case. You need that ancient frame to see your present modern self. So you need those frames to help you. Now, don't get the mistake of just being obsessed with the frame and being like, I need to uphold the frame over modernity because it's just a frame. Your present life is more important than a frame. But you need the frame in order to get to actual things that your heart will connect to because if not, it's just too much information. It's too many ideas and there's... there's there's a confusion of self within it. So in conclusion, being a modern without recognizing the ancient is wrong based on the, the arguments I've made. Being a relic in the, in the face of modern is wrong because you have reality that you have to deal with that's different from your fundamental beliefs. That's also wrong because you're just you're not being in touch with normalcy of of experience. And thirdly, the best option is to impose framework of reference from the past, especially those that contribute to your present, like modernity, that contribute to your presence, ha impose them in your life, impose them in your daily basis, really in your daily basis. It can't be an imposition that's like, oh, yeah, it's great to just connect back to it once a year or go back to it as, as a joke. Or it has to be a real serious imposition. And that will be a great frame of reference for how you deal with the moral experiences of now, deal with modernity as of now. And sometimes you could enmesh yourselves with modernity and and in doing so, you can separate from your past for the moment and then go back to your past. You could you could use them to frame each other. You could frame, for example, the fem I find that studying the Bible through like the feminist uh, liter literary critique is amazing because you can you can you can see things in the moral developments of our day and age and see it with a frame towards that ancient Bible, which illuminates both the Bible and, and that moral development. But then at the same time, you use the Bible to frame the feminist movement, right? The feminism, like that's also amazing. And that's not used as much. So doing both, allowing the frames, but, but recognizing that, Everything is built on each other. So ignoring one as a good frame of reference is just being foolish because the longer you go, the cheaper that frame of reference will be. And at some point, it'll not just become a relic, it'll become inexistent. And it will be forgotten from your generations and the generations to come. And you are only built, you've only get to your developments based on a lot of those frame of references and then you expect your children and grandchildren to somehow get there without having those frame of references, which is just a foolish endeavor. So don't go the foolish path. Go, 
go the righteous path the the balance between the two that's what i would say but do do your own tell me what you think about this thanks for listening and if you would like to see the video version of this check out my channel on youtube